If you think us talking about Motown is familiar, or if you're getting deja vu, you'd be right. <laughs> we were ambitious from day one, like back on air days of the musical men. That's mostly because for our very first episode, we decided that we needed to start with one of the most obvious, one of the most iconic things in Michigan music history, which is Motown. Basically the start of it all, honestly. Yeah, because when you think of Michigan music, and I've said this time and time again, oh, yeah. when you think of Michigan music, you think of Motown. Because Motown is iconic. It is known all over the world. And we thought that, yes, there's all this talent from all over the state. We don't just want to highlight Motown. <laughs> but we should probably start there, because what a history. And not just for Michigan, but like you said, history for the whole world. From Mackinac to Motown, from Muskegon to Madonna, you're listening to The Musical Mitten. I'm Maggie. And I'm Bree, coming to you from Olivet College. This is your guide to all things music, all from the state of Michigan. Motown was started in 1959, so really not that long ago. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure some of our listeners were alive back when Motown was founded. I always forget, like, I feel like sometimes we tend to distance ourselves from events that weren't actually all that long ago at all. No, that's exactly it. Because historical perspective, I feel like we think things are so far gone. Especially because with a lot of technology, really, we were not where we are now. Like, we are in, even just where we are currently sitting, we've got all of these really nice computers and microphones <laughs> and speakers and all of these things that they didn't have yeah. years and years and years ago. And even things like photography weren't where they are now. So seeing like grainy photographs or black and white photographs, I think we kind of automatically associate it with being way further back. Then. Right. But yeah. it's not that far back. Like some of the stars of Motown are still alive. Yeah, I'm probably going to talk about this a lot, but I did watch Hitsville, like the documentary. By the way, do recommend. You should totally check it out if you are interested in Motown and want to learn more. It's on Hulu with like a premium subscription. Honestly, it's going to be a thing to find, but if you do, just it's good. It's worth it. But a lot of the people we talk about are actually being interviewed in that documentary and they're still there to speak for it, like Barry and Smokey. And it, there's a lot of familiar faces, I swear. You will enjoy it. And they are still around to tell their stories. Right, well, Hitsville, the name of the documentary, comes from the fact that they called Motown Hitsville, USA. It was started, of course, in Detroit on an $800 loan. Which, by the way, I ran this through multiple inflation calculators to try and figure out how much that would be today. <laughs> of course I would. This is who I am as a person. I like numbers. Numbers are good. So I ran it through a few different inflation calculators, and all of the calculators that I ran it through said $800 in 1959 would be equal to around $8,100 today. It was somewhere between, I think, $8,047 and $8,170. Of course, with some change on the end there. But really, in my mind, that's still not even that much, especially considering the kind of success they had and the success that they still have. And the impact that they've had on history. Like, they weren't just a successful company, but they literally changed the game for music. Exactly. And Hitsville was just, it was a two-story house. Mm-hmm. Like, that was it. They started Barry it. actually lived upstairs, is what he said a lot. And it's still there. It's still standing. It is now the Motown Museum. I was tempted to ask if you want a road trip, because <laughs> I want to go. We should. I want to go so bad, and I just, I haven't had the time 
to get there to go to the museum. But they, even on their website, document their legacy so well, and I just think it would be the most interesting thing to see in person, right? Oh, absolutely. Especially for, I don't know, maybe we are a little bit more crazy, but like, especially for us, like we are obsessed. Like that's the whole reason we did this podcast is because we understand and like really are excited about the kind of talent that comes from Michigan and the impact that it has had on music outside of Michigan. And it's just fun. Yeah, absolutely. And Motown Records did eventually move across the country. Like they went to yeah. LA, but really they were based in Detroit and that's still a lot of where the association with Motown comes from is Detroit mm -hmm. music. Like that's just where it was. That was what it is. It was Detroit. That's a really big part of the start of it, honestly. And I think that's why it's so important that the museum is still in Detroit. Even in the documentary that I mentioned having watched, they basically acknowledged very much, like very passionately that Detroit was essential for discovering the Motown sound. A, there was a lot of migration from the South, which led to the automotive industry, which, you know, more workers, more people. And then they had more clubs, more churches, and those were a lot of the places where they would look to find talent. And then also, you know, the people in Detroit just were already musical people somehow, magically. But they were. They were naturally gifted musical people, and Motown was kind of their way of giving them a place to learn and collaborate with one another. Detroit seemed to draw all these incredible people and what a legacy they have left. It really makes you think about what had happened had this not started the way that it had. And speaking of incredibly talented people in Detroit, we can't forget Smokey in the story. Oh, he no, was of essential for Barry even creating or opening Hitsville. Smokey Robinson was one of the key players in Motown story. Like probably almost on the level of Barry Gordy Jr. himself. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think a big part of the reason he ended up deciding to go through with it was because Barry had been helping Smokey like work on some of his pieces and he was seeing that basically he either wasn't getting paid at all for his work or he was getting paid very little. And the two did, like joked originally that they'd be better off just doing their own thing and getting the profits from it that way. And a joke led into a loan from the family and Hitsville. That just that two-story house that ended up being this incredible music, I'd go as far as to say empire. Oh yeah. Some of the most well-known artists and some of the most well-known songs even of all time came out of Motown. I mean, come on, like the Jackson 5, Aretha Franklin. Stevie Wonder. Marvin Gaye, Diana Ross, The Supremes as an extension of her. Temptations. Marvelous. Like all of these incredible people with some songs that have transcended the ages, right? So it's really not shocking that a lot of people still know their music, that their music is still popular, and that it still has that Motown association that we really started with, right? Mm -hmm. And just so much music has come out of Motown. Like, Time Magazine even compared it to the factories of Detroit. Like, Sure, we're known for the automobile industry, but it's also, it was a music machine. And Barry did kind of confirm this theory. Like a lot of people were like, oh, we think this is, he confirmed it. Like he said that he had worked in one of the automobile factories while he was living in Detroit. 
And it was while he saw these like pieces of the car slowly coming together in different sections that he decided that he wanted to do that same kind of format, but with musicians and music in general. So while he very much cared about like putting love and personality behind like everything that he did, he also thought it was just really important to have like a designated spot for dance instructors, for singing teachers, or for songwriters, and like all these different little pieces that will eventually come together for the final package. You know, it's really interesting, actually, if you go to the museum in Bay City, they have quite a bit on this and how they brought in people specifically to teach Michigan artists how to act, how to dance, because they yes. had to perform a very specific, very certain way. They were also very punctual. They were deadlines or deadlines. So if you walked into one of those meetings late, the door was locked. You weren't coming in. You weren't welcome because he said that the songs and all like the songs come from the very beginning like how you produce it the methods that you choose to use and the level of care that you use that early on reflects how good it'll end up being in the end that and image was super important to motown at the time i mean this was started in 1959 so we're talking through the 60s early 70s height of the civil rights movement and with all of the artists being people of color they were going to be hard-pressed to be popular, to book concerts, to do anything just because of their circumstances. So they had to be incredibly careful with their images so that punctuality, that factory mindset, was really important at the time. All of this music had to be pumped out, it all had to be perfect, it had to be focused, and so, 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 so much effort went into making Motown what it became. I mean, imagine the dedication. No, seriously. Okay, so I have a really good story for this, actually. The song Shop Around was actually up for about two weeks, I want to say, and it wasn't doing great, but it wasn't doing bad by any means. It just wasn't a hit, you know? So basically, Barry couldn't stop fixating on this. He's like, it could be better, but I don't know why or how. Well, Smokey gets a call at literally three in the morning, and it's Barry, and he wants to rework the song. <laughs> So Smokey's like, yeah, yeah, we can work on it more tomorrow. He's like, no, now, like three in the morning. <laughs> but after reworking it at three in the morning and going through the Motown sound process, it ended up becoming a hit even after. And they justified it as, well, it wasn't that big. So there's still a great amount of people who didn't hear the original anyway. <laughs> so my gosh, three in the morning. That is dedication. a kind of dedication. Would you come in if I called you at three o'clock in the morning to re-record something? For you, absolutely. Anybody else know I'm sleeping. <laughs> Honestly, I support that. <laughs> Thank you, though. I'm glad to know that I have that kind of dedication. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or that you have that kind of dedication to the show. <laughs> yes, I am committed. <laughs> no, they really did do whatever it took, and then they eventually did start booking concert venues. Artists ended up on the Ed Sullivan show, like, really started making their mark on the world to the point where they were touring in the UK. Like that's big. Motown artists would open for the Beatles. The Beatles did a lot of covers for Motown. <laughs> Including Please Mr. Postman, right? I feel like I know the Beatles yes. version of Please Mr. Postman better than the Marvelettes. I don't know if I can say better, but definitely up there, like in one of the main ones that comes to mind are those two for me. The top two, yeah. <laughs> 
This is your Points the Mitten trivia question of the week. Last week, we asked which two Michigan artists were on The Muppet Show. If you guessed Alice Cooper and Diana Ross, you would be correct. Alice Cooper was on Season 3, Episode 7, and Diana Ross was on Season 4, Episode 24. This week's question is how many covers of the Marvelettes Please Mr. Postman are there? And a bonus question, which Motown star might you see nods to in the drag scene? If you think you know the answers, add us on Twitter, at TheMusicalMI, and we'll be back next week with the answer and a shout-out for who got it right. You've been listening to The Musical Mitten. I'm Maggie. And I'm Bree. If you've been with us since the beginning, you know that we started as a radio show on WOCR 89.1 The One, Olivet College. Our goal when we started was to share all of the incredible talent from across the state of Michigan, past and present. Now we've been able to talk to artists from all over the state and share their stories with you. If you have any suggestions for who we talk about in the future, fill out the form on our website, themusicalmitten.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Oh, okay. So this is a little bit random, but did you know that despite how popular the Jackson 5 ended up being for Motown, Barry didn't want to work with them at first? That's really surprising to me. It's because he was apparently like very burnout from working with kids. And I mean, if you think about it, Stevie Wonder, though a musical genius, came in when he was like 11 and there were a lot of other like artists around that time who were significantly younger. So when he saw the Jackson 5, he was not a fan of working with a group of children again. (laughs) Honestly, I don't blame him. A lot of Motown artists came in super young. But despite all that, the Jackson 5 were incredibly profitable because they used marketing tools like posters and coloring books, so they made profits off of that. But then also musically, obviously, the Jackson 5 were the first black male group to actually consecutively hit number one hits with I Want You Back, ABC, The Love You Save, and I'll Be Back. That's so incredibly cool. And from a band that originally he wouldn't have even signed. Yeah, I think they were even signed with somebody else, but Gladys Knight persuaded Gore to take them on and then also persuaded them to leave who they were currently with. It was a brief period. Wow. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, that's fascinating. But really, they were one of those key groups which technically they weren't from Michigan, they were from Gary, Indiana, which, you know, it's just one state away from us here and probably wouldn't have been a terrible journey to get to Detroit. But all of that just combined makes for this incredible story of, thank goodness we got the Jackson 5, right? Oh my goodness. I I feel like it was actually Smokey, but he wrote a song for the Jackson 5 and like later on would like go to perform it. And people like, oh, why do you play the Michael Jackson song? He's like, I wrote that way before they were even born. So it just goes to show like how iconic they really were and how much they did do because you're absolutely right. They were a staple in the Motown sound and to think we almost missed out on it. Honestly, I wonder how many songs in that time period were written like for another band or for another musician and got covered and now it's just associated with somebody completely different than it was originally supposed to be. And you have no idea how many times I've heard that exact thing happen. So a funny story, speaking of things that maybe weren't intended for someone to sing but ended up becoming a thing, Martha Reeves. She originally auditioned to be a part of Motown but was turned down and instead offered a secretary position basically. But back in the day, I don't know the exact term for it or like what company made it a thing, but you couldn't record music without 
an artist at the same time. I don't know how to make that make sense. But um, so it was like the band had to go into the studio and then a singer had to be there at the same time, right? Yeah, they couldn't do it as two separate tracks, which is what Motown was doing. They were recording the musicians separate and then later going back and adding vocals. And so they did, like the union guys came to do like a random check just to see if they were being compliant. And they happened to have a band performing that day with no singer. So they were panicked. They didn't know who to get to sing. And Martha very quickly and intelligently threw herself out there was like, hey, I could do this. And that's the whole reason she ended up becoming the Martha that we know and love now. All because of some random accident. That's how you know things are meant to be though, right? <laughs> Those are like the moments where you're like, that couldn't have happened any other way. And of course it had to happen that way. She was in the perfect place at the right time. like. And if she would have been upset about not getting in and, you know, didn't want to be a secretary because she just was upset about not being a musician, then she wouldn't have been in the position later to step up and take on that role. So it says a lot to A, being in the right place at the right time, but also just being a good sport. Like if you can't be involved in something you're passionate about in the way you think you are, be open to being involved in other ways because who knows, you might get an opportunity that you would have missed if you would have just walked away. So many things just happen to line up right to really make Motown what it was, right, and what it became. Oh yeah. And like over the years, of course, Motown changed a lot. Like ownership changed hands, the company moved across the country, changed names, artists left, they have new people now, and they still hold on to this incredible legacy, right? And they've had major successes, like I said earlier, worldwide successes. That's nothing to complain about. Oh, absolutely not. Barry Gordy Jr. didn't just have a hand in music. He put Diana Ross in movies, for mm -hmm. goodness sakes. And, and not only her, but Levi Stubbs from The Four Tops. He was also a pretty known voice artist in film and animated like TV. And he was most famous for playing the voice of Audrey II, which was the alien plant from the musical horror comedy. Little Shop of Horrors! Yes, I love Little Shop! Oh my goodness. The musical theater nerd in me is screaming right now. I, I saw it and I knew I had to support you. I was like, Maggie, you're gonna like this one. I wasn't sure if we were gonna do it for trivia because I really just wanted to surprise you with it instead of like, hey, we're doing trivia. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> No, because I, I've seen stage productions of Little Shop of Horrors and I've seen the movie and I love the movie. And I always thought like, whoever's voicing Audrey 2, they know what they're doing. <laughs> this is incredible. You couldn't have cast anybody else to do this because the voice is something that is so integral to this plant. And to find out it was- And the plant is iconic for the whole show, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think anyone thinks of Little Shop of Horrors and doesn't think of the plant. I don't know how you couldn't think of the plan. I mean, like sure, I get suddenly Seymour stuck in my head. <laughs> oh, that too, like. yeah. <laughs> but no, that's incredible. So multiple Motown artists have all been put in movies just in like the incredible success that has come out of Motown clearly isn't just music, it's everything. It's a legacy. Exactly. And as of 2019, Motown celebrated its 60th anniversary and the 50th anniversary back in 2009 was even bigger with so, so many people who celebrated that. And even if you look, the Michigan Chronicle 
did a piece on the 50th anniversary or just talking about everyone who came back that was celebrated in Detroit and Stevie Wonder was there, Smokey Robinson was there, The Temptations, Aretha Franklin, even Kid Rock was there. But still like so many people acknowledge that this was such an important event. But another one, the 25th anniversary in 1983 was massive. And this is what I think is incredible. So Classic Motown, their website has a timeline of everything that happened over the course of from 1959 up till that 25th anniversary in 1983. You guys should check it out. It is pretty in depth and it looks cool. It's really cool. They really do. It's structured like a timeline so you can scroll to whatever year you want to see. But in 1983, the with the Motown 25, there was this really big event. And for every important event on this timeline, they have like a little informational thing like read more that you can click on to, you know, find out more about it. And the one for this one is a little bit longer just because there was so much that went into this 25th anniversary and everything from the broadcast of it to who was there. And I mean, we're talking some of the most iconic Motown stars, Diana Ross and Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, the Jackson Five, the Temptations, the Four Tops, Stevie Wonder, Martha Reeves, like Mary Wells, everybody was there. And I think that's so important because not everybody stayed with Motown forever, right? People moved on to other record companies. They moved on to other things. Or on the other side, even just stopped performing and started families or different careers. And there's this incredible thing that Diana Ross said, right? And they include it in there. And she talks about that same thing, like not everybody stayed. Like some people left, some people went on to do other things. But then she says, everybody came back. And I think that's so important to the legacy of Motown because yeah, people left, people went on to do other things and they may have gotten their starts at Motown and then found themselves, right? But they came back and they're still a part of that legacy. This has been The Musical Mitten, where we bring you all things music from Michigan. Check out our Instagram and Twitter at TheMusicalMI for any announcements, events, and more. All of our past episodes, radio show, and podcast are on our website at TheMusicalMitten.com. Again, that's T-H-E-M-U-S-I-C-A-L-M-I-T-T-E-N dot C-O-M. Check for updates in all those places or keep listening in for weekly episodes. We'll be back next week.